You're listening to the Bromsgrove Standard Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Welcome to this week's podcast with me, Tristan Harris. Now, today, I am delighted to say I have got with me Bob Blanford, who's got a new book come out. And I must say, just reading about it, it's enthralling. It's called Worcestershire Bird. Now, we did point out that that's not an ornithological situation. It is um, obviously the slang term for prison. That's correct in science. It comes from the old convict speak for um, bird line, uh, which they used to coat the prison walls with. To, to prevent escape um, and then it's got sort of uh, uh, brought down to, to bird bird meeting time yeah so this is this book is um, Worcestershire Bird and it's basically it's, it's a history book and it spans 1814 to 1922 when 300,000 male and female convicts were locked up in the county and there's tales of more than 2,000 um, prisoners and some obviously met very gruesome ends as was the thing back then um, how did you go about um, researching something like this? A lot of it came from the um books. I already have four books out, um, three on Worcester, on, on Worcester City pubs and also Worcester City Police. So there's a lot of um, spin-off from those. Uh, it, it wasn't really intended. I had, um, while working on Spike 2, which was the City Police, uh, I had a huge um, computer crash about 18 months ago and lost uh, really about 15 years' work. Um, and rather than pick up the pieces, I, I sort of went back into what little information I had um, and started from scratch, uh, really going from press reports and also the Hive in Worcester has an awful lot of um, original archive in, in, uh, data and, and documents there. I mean things like the uh, the Governor's Journal, the actual journal from sort of 1830s you know, is by law it had to keep a daily journal of events in the jail uh, and so going through documents like that which is um, it's just fascinating it's illuminating and, and having been a journalist for 50 years anyway I mean it's uh, you know research and that, that kind of information is, is it comes easy. I, I can't say it's not not pleasurable. Now, so it's in your blood. Also, um, newspapers so important, I guess, for this as well. Absolutely, because the papers uh, really will cover everything. If somebody sort of sneezes in the streets quite often, that, that will be covered in the papers. Um, so clearly when you have um, large things like uh, like executions and, and people... Cause, I mean, because executions even in, in um, outside the county jail would often get, um, in the early days, certainly 10,000 um, spectators. They'd be there to watch the actual event. So there was, there was a lot of interest that was going on and the papers are very thorough. Um, most, most football clubs would give their right arm for those kind of attendances sure, in the lower leagues. I'm sure they would, yeah. Because, I mean, that's the thing. And there is a bit of an appetite for blue light things. I mean, if you look at our websites now, the top stories every year, apart from snow warnings, because people love them, but apart from snow warnings, it is blue light stuff. And if you flick through your, um, all the millions of channels we've got on our TVs these days, there's uh, police interceptors, there's um, frontline British cops, there's customs and excise programmes. People love that side of life, don't they? Sure. They, uh, they, they do like this kind of thing. I, I do talks as well on um, crime and punishment, um, as well as the pubs as well, because the pubs are also the centre of um, everything evil, and that's where a lot of the, a lot of the um, uh, court cases emanated from. You know, so so when I do talks about various um, uh, crimes and events, and uh, I find those are the greatest interest. The first four rows are filled with little old ladies who love this, uh, <laughs> the, the Blue Rinse Brigade, who really love the kind of that kind of stuff. And I have a website as well called Worcester Secrets, and when I put um, information on about various uh, 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 various events in the past. Um, Usually, the greatest response are the sort of uh, you know the ladies who say, "Oh, give me more." Um, the gorier, the better. It is. It's curtain twitching kind of stuff as that, well, isn't it? That's what I just did as soon as you came in. Um, I'm fascinated by all this sort of stuff. Are you from here? Are you from Worcestershire? I'm Worcestershire. Yeah. So that's, that's why it's close to home. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't feel qualified to write what's essentially the definitive history books on the city if, if I didn't actually belong there. And a lot of it is from my own personal memory, which does go back a long time. And it's the history element as well, because I visited my first workhouse on the way home from holiday uh, earlier this year, and it was in Nottinghamshire somewhere. And uh, that enthralled me, though, just the way that people would end up there and, and, and the history of that as well. Yeah. So it's that kind of history thing, how things were done differently then as they are today. And, and that's what it's all based on. If we just, I'm just looking down at some of these. We've got the beauty of, of Worcestershire um, bird, I think, is that whether you're from Bromsgrove, Druitwich, Redditch, Worcester, Evesham, there's going to be people from there who have, you know, who have got people from their towns where, um, you know, 
know, who committed crimes and, and were dealt with accordingly. And when we say dealt with accordingly, some of the punishments, I mean, there was a guy executing, I'm just reading here, Jacob Joseph in 1786 for stealing a bag of mail, uh, Richard Pittaway uh, for burgling St Andrew's home of Elizabeth Harrison, uh, valued at 60. He was executed as well. Um, housebreaking and robbery. I mean, there probably would be some people out there who'd welcome these punishments back, wouldn't they? With the, with the, because of, obviously they, you know, there's all that these days about um, a soft touch and playstations in prisons and things. There are people out there who would welcome these kind of things. But um, I mean, what did you? What were your feelings when you when you started delving into all this? A lot of it. When I had the computer crash 18 months ago, I lost the backup drive as well, which was um, two terabytes of information. That's uh, two million, million, million bits of information. It makes me want to cry. When oh. I just lose an article, I cry. Sure. Well, it was it was a trying three months, and I th- I thought about murder several times. <laughs> and, and so the thought occurred to me. I thought, if I'm feeling like this, what would um, the prisoners have gone through anyway? I mean, um, you know, and even the hangmen. Because um, the, you know, the hangmen at the time, they were almost like celebrities. I mean, they treated like Robbie Williams. You know, they were mobbed, and, and they, were the, they? They, they were the superstars. Well, I'm why? Sure. Because because of this interest, I think. In, justice, yeah. You say blue light interest, yeah. And why were the crimes so harsh? Have we but, just become soft as we come on, or? I think it's an indication of how soft we've become. Yeah, because uh, again, when I put something on about a, uh, somebody who's been executed, I get a lot of response. People saying, "Damn right, that, you know, they should bring this thing back." You know, there were there were lessons, and people were. I think when they did commit a crime, it was either through complete necessity or you're a thorough badman who I, deserved I, all you got. I was reading about being um, drawn and quartered, um, and I never realised that you're actually cut into four, and your head is put on a spike sure. of the town gates. And yeah. it, you can't. I can't believe that human beings would do that to each other, but they did, didn't they? Well, all the executions um, from time immemorial, really, uh, up to about up to 1814, when the Canterbury Jail was built in Castle Street in Worcester, all the executions were at um, Red Hill, and there might have been really, you know, perhaps 200 a year, you know, which is an awful lot. And Red Hill, of course, takes its name from the fact that that's where the gallows was. The um, it's always at a crossroads, and the crossroads between Specialty Road and London Road. Uh, so that's where the um, yeah, the gallows were there. And hence, it was red because hence, of the blood. Hence Red Hill. Oh, wow. Well, there was no blood as such, unless they were hung on a quarter. Mm. Some were, but I don't think... I mean, I mean that probably... That, that probably ended, I think, probably about sort of, you know, 1750s or thereabouts. And were we a particularly bad county? Because reading your book, so many criminals lived here and did awful things here. Yeah. But, or is this just throughout the land? It's, it's pretty bad, but I think if you work out sort of um, per head of population, um, Worcestershire comes out pretty badly. Oh, that's interesting. It really does. <laughs> it's the quiet ones you got to watch. <laughs> it's the quiet ones you got to watch. Quite right. Well, they don't say much when they're dangling off a rock, do they? They're quiet there. Um, <clears throat> The other thing is, you mentioned hang hangmen, or it was probably predominantly men. <laughs> I've got it instilled oh, yeah. a bit of hang people. You probably didn't get so many uh, hang women. Uh, but um, I've watched the documentary, uh, not documentary, it's kind of docu-film, um, Peer Points with uh, Timothy Spall. Sure. Um, fantastic, if you haven't seen that. It's um, it's an amazing, I mean, he's a fantastic actor anyway, isn't he? And, uh, and that is about the last hangman, isn't it? Um, he wasn't the last hangman. I mean, the, the yeah. last person to be executed was um, 1964. Four, uh, 65 I believe mm. um, the, the last two men to be hanged in, in England mm. um, yeah but um, the, the peer points uh, that, that was Albert peer points Albert in, in peer that point, one yeah. his uncle was um, was one of the hangmen at, at Worcester um, Albert didn't appear at Worcester because Worcester, clo- Worcester jail closed in 1919 mm. um, and so, but Albert sort of appeared on the scene sort of 30s and 40s yeah because he was there at the towards because obviously there was a bit of public backlash wasn't there when, when, when he was going to be outlawed uh, the actual yeah, execution he, um, uh, he actually turned against it after after his, he'd retired but um, but he, he was the man who hanged the last woman in, in, in England that was 
executions were, were at Worcester. I suppose it's not too dissimilar to now, where we've got a Crown Court in Worcester Court, exactly, and yeah. the magistrates in Kidderminster and Redditch. That's right. The, uh, well, the magistrates, you start off with the police court, and then you then so you you're, you're found guilty then, uh, and then you move up to the magistrates court, or might be in Worcester police and magistrates court, and then you go to um, a, a committal court, and then if it's sufficiently serious, you would then go up to the uh, the, the Crown Court. Um, what sort of offences would you have done to be hung? <laughs> you could steal a loaf and be and be hanged. It's crazy, isn't there it? There were, you it's know, like... worked, you know, homosexuality was, um, you know, that was capital. And I'm sure so many innocent people got hung as well because oh, they I'm didn't sure have the were. forensics or anything we have today. I'm sure there are there are several in the book that that, that clearly uh, miscarriages of justice. I mean, one was it was a guy that um, he was clearly a, a very um, backward lad, uh, he looked really quite um, he looked unusual he was ill-educated, he was 17 uh, and he accidentally set fire to a hayrick and this is at Elmley Lovett Detroit um, Way and um, he was hanged for accidentally setting fire to a, to a hayrick Wow. Age 17. That reminds me of Making a Murderer. Have you seen that TV series in America? Oh, it's a very similar story. A young guy who was a bit backward um, did something and it got escalated and they made a whole TV series about yeah. it. But, um, but, how awful. Yeah, but in, you know, the book lists all sorts of um, um, young, really quite young children, eight-year-olds, uh, two weeks hard labour. On a, on a treadmill, which was hard work, which was 10 and a half hours a day, 13,000 steps on the treadmill at Worcester. We're talking eight-year-olds for stealing a loaf of bread. Uh, and also transportation, because as the years went on, even even as, as early as sort of 1850s, uh, the, um, the taste for execution was kind of waning a bit. People were getting a bit, you know, the, the crowds were getting less, people were turning against it. And, um, and, and so transportation was then... Um, for 60 years by then. Um, they do reckon that even today, I think um, up to 40% of the population in Western Australia uh, owes, its, um, uh, owes its source to um, the British penal system. Wow. And why, why did the crowds get less? Why did it become less popular? What happened in the human psyche for that to... Yeah, I think there's... I think there's um, and people say to me, well, I'd like to have watched um, an execution. Um, I'm, I'm, some days yes, some days no, but it's, it's not a pretty sight. Um, I mean, there was a taste for it, and, and as, uh, you know, intended as a, as a deterrent against further further crime. But um, I don't know. I think people, do, you know, maybe as it is today. I mean, there's, there's, there's not a lot of um, support for it, uh, unless it's certain cases. I mean, like you know, children shooting policemen, this kind of thing. I mean. In my um, in my younger days, I was uh, I worked at a video shop uh, while I was at uni, and um, yeah, there was there was actually a video came out. It's probably still available on DVD called Execution, it? Yeah. and it was executions from all around the world. It was just a DVD of executions that you could just watch back to back. Wow, yeah, I'm which is a bit rather horrific, a bit horrific, and yeah, like you say with the ages. I mean, William Winwood here, yeah, aged fourteen, obviously. Um, I mean, he said he's charged with the willful murder of his mistress, um, and. Uh, by adding a quantity of arsenic to her breakfast gruel, and she died within hours. So he was one of the ones who was uh, was and he was hanged, wasn't he? Um, and so they didn't. It wasn't age discrimination. It was just uh, it was if you did the, if you did the crime, you you, you faced the punishment. No, I think uh, the youngest in Worcester was um, seventeen, and the oldest was um, eighty-four. Wow. To be hanged. And how far have you gone back? What date? What's the earliest? The, 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 early, the early days are the old Worcester Castle, which um, really is um, the Diglett Road. Uh, no, I'll rephrase that. Which was um, Seventh Street, which is where the King's School is now, opposite the um, Diglett House Hotel. All that complex was the old um, castle, Worcester Castle. Um, and it had been a prison from about the 1340s. Wow. So it goes that far back, but not clearly not a vast amount of information. Um, and then there was a huge outcry for uh, a new secure prison, um, and that was opened in 1814 on, the, on, a, on a virgin site um, on Castle Street, opposite the infirmary. Did we always in Britain have hanging rather than guillotines and things like the French did? It was always the, the favourite way. The military way was drowning. If you did something wrong, they would drown you. Right. Um, Evesham um, was the last town um, to burn a woman at the stake. Oh, gosh, yeah, I forgot uh, about that. That's uh, around. Which, there, 
Ursula Corbett. Yeah, I think 1661, I think it was. That was she was the last woman to be burned at the stake. Um, there was also things like burning in the hand. Um, what, what's burning in the hand? They would literally brand you. Okay. As a, as a thief. Um, and on the forehead as well, didn't they? I, some of them. I'm, 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 I'm sure they must have somewhere. Warwick, Warwick Castle. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. always that's what I love when people bring history to life, and they say if you were like begging on the street or something, you'd be branded with a V for vagabond and and, and, and stuff like that, and you just you just can't comprehend. You just yeah. mentioned Warwick Castle. I always remember as a kid going, and my dad showing me that little it's a little hole in the ground called the oublier or something, where they put a body somebody in yeah. and just forget about them. Yeah. Oublier is French for forget or something. That has given me nightmares for the last thirty years. There is an oublier actually in the um, in the King Charles pub in in Worcester. Oh really? If you go there and ask them to lift the carpet up, and there is um, there is a small cellar there, and people say, "What's it for?" Um, and it was for putting people in. And if they stole a pint beer or something, uh, well, popped in the oublier. <laughs> well, no, people say that, but King Charles House is probably one of Worcester's newest pubs. It's only been a pub for the last possibly twenty years, if that's I think. Oh, right. um, you know, because people say it's one of the oldest pubs in Worcester. Well, it simply wasn't. It's one of the newest. But if you ask the if you ask the barman there, they will they will lift up the carpet and show you. The so UBA. why did they have it in there? It was an official building back in the day. Well, it was the yeah, King Charles House. It was um, from where King Charles is reputed to have escaped in um, 1651. Right. Um, but it's always been like a, a, a furniture place or, or private dwelling, really, or, or a restaurant until you know it was fairly recently. Um, but just uh, you know in those days when yes you could put someone down in a cellar and completely forget them. How, that gives me nightmares it gives me the chills now one of my questions has just been answered here it says also among the list of prisoners is Bob's own great grandfather Arthur John Blanford gulled for um, a week in June 1902 for creating a ruckus in Dickless Road Worcester I was going to ask about because people will find relatives in here by the very nature of probability if I could say there is um, on, if you go onto YouTube I'm not quite sure of the actual I can't give you the, the, the physical side but if, if you go on there and, and just key in Worcestershire Bird there are two videos, one of which uh, just shows the index to the to the book, which is 18 pages. Um, there are four and a half thousand prisoners listed, and um, you'd be surprised just how many families. I mean, there'll be very few Worcestershire families won't find relatives in that index. I'm a bit scared to look about mine, <laughs> but amazing. And you've obviously had a lot of fun putting it all together. It must be fascinating going and finding out all these stories and bringing them to life, you know, so many years later. I love it, yeah. Have you finished? Have you completed them all? Or No, no, the um, Spike 2 is the next one. Actually, it's not. I have a I have another book for next year planned. But Spike 2 will be um, 2021. That's the police. Um, but the second part of the police. The Wood City Police existed 1833 to 67. And um, so the first part goes up to 1901. And the second part will be 1901 to 67 when they merge with West Mercia. So um, there is a certain amount of research, but that's a lot of the stuff that I lost. I've almost got to start again on that. Um, but that's no chore. I, I mean, I just I spend days and days. In fact, I spend so much down, time down the high, I think they're charging me rent. And do you get to go and look through the, all the old newspapers and things? And all when the newspapers are available, the staff are, are particularly helpful. They're they're they're, they're great staff. Uh, the, um, the all the newspapers are on uh, microfiche, uh, microfilm, thirty-five mil film, and also um, if you join the, the the particular section, you have access to almost unlimited um, information on all Worcester. It's fascinating. I mean, th- things like, things I've come across, I mean, things like, even for the for this book, the, the actual, um, uh, the, the Chaplin's um, character reference book. Terrific. I'm sure it's worth a book in its own right. I'm still, I'm still keeping that one around. What's it, what do you mean, what's it about? The, the character reference, all the, all the prisoners. Because, the, because in, uh, you know, 100 years or 200 years ago, religion a big part of um, of the whole penal re- regime, uh, and, and the, the the chaplain was almost as important as the governor um, because he had daily access to to um, the prisoners and particularly those who were, who were condemned to death because they spent almost every day in the run up. They had to have two weeks in later years, earlier years, you'd be taken away and hung the next day. Um, but, but in later years, there was a bit more compassion, and, and they had two or three days, or two or two, three weeks grace. That's had two clear Sundays between um, being found guilty and then and then executed. So during that time, the, the, the chaplain would spend much of his time with the condemned man. So he, he would write a 
write a character reference about all the prisoners? All the prisoners that were admitted, and, and there might have been sometimes you know, 20 or 30 a day, so the constant turnaround, as, as one cell was, was left, um, it, it was vacated by someone going out to be filled again. Um, and every prisoner that was brought in, uh, and don't forget it was... Um, female up to 1916 um, every person that came in he had the job of finding out their level of education um, which often wasn't a great deal uh, and, and also um, you know their, their, their physical condition if they're um, capable of, of labour and what type of labour and, um, and also a character reference to, um, to you know to what to expect would they do they need extra uh, um, segregation say because there's an awful lot of um, you know what they call you know what they call nonsense now, and another thing that comes out as well in the book is the um, the derivation of certain phrases. We've touched on bird, where bird comes from, but, yeah. uh, but a lot of people don't know. I mean, they, it's called nonsense now, which I always thought was like nonsense, yeah. but it stands for a sign that they will put outside the cell that says not on normal courtyard exercise. Oh yeah, so so the chaplain in effect was kind of social worker, doctor, and chaplain really, because he was making those kind of decisions and putting a good word in with the man upstairs. Oh sure, that. that's right. I mean that was the intention. He was the halfway house between. Um, try that again. He was the halfway house between the prisoner and and where he was eventually going. He wasn't a doctor. There was always a full time surgeon, yeah. um, but but the chaplain was probably paid half as much again as a surgeon. Um, it shows how important religion was to you know to, to the whole prison setup. The other thing is, you mentioned like other books. I've always thought, you know, when judges sum up cases, because they always come up with some fantastic, uh, you know, quotes and comments and stuff. And I always thought that'd be that'd be pretty good to explore. Because there was one, for example, I read in the National News, and it was a guy who had like um, a, a glove with knives on, and he'd, he'd, he'd wreak havoc. And I think I think the judge's summing up comment was, "You're going to prison because you're a very dangerous man." And I thought, well, you know, to state the obvious, he's going around with a with, with a glove with a knife on. Yeah. And uh, that, there's, there's just so much out there, isn't there? If you're prepared to research, which you obviously with the love of it, and I'm, me myself as well as as a journalist, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. it's just kind of it's just fun, isn't it? When you want to cover stuff, yeah. the book as well does include um, a lot of sort of court cases and the reasons why they were there. It goes into yeah. some detail, and the judges themselves, there are seven, there are quite a few judges. Um, are featured in the book on their pictures, and you know they were they were really sadistic folk in most cases. Yeah, the other thing is, I suppose, with the, with your journalistic skills, is uh, I guess with three hundred thousand male and female convicts and two thousand book, it was a, was it a case of oh my life, what which ones do I leave out rather than which ones do I include? Sure, it, it, it is difficult because there's so much fascinating stuff. Um, the, the book is five hundred and sixteen pages. It's um, it's a quarter of a million words. You know, so yes, it just goes to show, and and a lot of the, the, the actual stories of two and a half thousand of these prisoners is is um, gone into in the book, uh, and as you rightly say, it's so difficult to know what to leave in, how deep to go into each one, because you know so many, especially the executions, are you almost must, with books in their own. You must have a favourite story, though. Uh, Which is your favourite? I'll pick one. Not so much a character, but what does come over is the. The governors as well were some colourful characters in their own right. And one of them was actually the great-grandson of William IV, the governor of Worcester. And um, a number of the actual um, governors met, uh, sometimes not a pleasant end, uh, and it gave rise to what they call the curse of Worcester Jail, which, um, which still, it still, still exists. I mean, don't forget, of course, a lot of the prison the buildings were still around up to 1985. Um, the the gatehouse was was demolished in the 1920s, but a lot of the buildings were. Yeah, it, recently, 1985, a lot of the um, the, the buildings themselves were. I mean, the, the old wheelhouse, the old um, uh, treadmill house, was, was still around until that was Rackstraws, uh, which was a, a, a you know a furniture makers, and that was uh, demolished two weeks after they left. In I think um, in the summertime, it's August Bank Holiday, uh, 1985. The Guildhall has got prison cells in it as well. Hasn't it? The Guildhall the cells there are um, they, they were holding cells because the up until 1836 all the court cases for the county the capital court cases the crown court cases um, were heard in the guild hall the crown court uh, it's, it's called the courtroom in the guild hall um, and that was the original courtroom um, for all prisoners in the county um, until 1836 so they built the shire hall and, and um, uh, so, so yes, I mean, so, so the actual courtroom is um, it was was the, 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 where the, the 
councils meet now, um, and it's still open to the public in the Guild Hall. Uh, but the, so the cells underneath the Guild Hall were, were holding cells for the. Uh, so they'd been brought from the either city or the county jail and locked up there until their until their trial was called. Do you cover um, Guy Fawkes and his merry men in the book at all? Because they're all from around here, aren't they? He's um, yes, they are. They were uh, yes, he is. I mean, one, uh, Charles Winter, I think his name was. He was hanged at Red Hill. Um, yes, it does have a, a lot of county. Um, uh, you know, a lot of it was hatched in the county. But Charles Winter was was one that's actually hanged, and um, and also um, Blessed Edward Alcorn, which is the um, uh, it gives the name to the school, uh, the Catholic school in Worcester. Um, he was hung there as well, and, and I think he was involved with the Gunpowder Plot as well. I think didn't he harbour one of them? I believe one of them was hidden at Cofton Court, which is yeah. in Ulster. Yeah, sure. There's um, two or three tales yeah. in the county. Yeah, but um, Edward Alcorn, he was um, uh, he was hanged at Red Hill, and his body was um, was set fire to because we're going back barbaric time, sort of, you know, 1605, I think, isn't it? Mm. And uh, his, his body was set fire to, because, but he was, um, he, he was um, uh, the Catholic, the top Catholic uh, priest in the county, and they reckoned his, um, his, his, his heart um, was still burning 21 days later. Because you've got a man who's, who 
still alive and trying to get free, but his hands, they were actually, their hands were in front of him, um, but he can't get free, so he's struggling for half an hour, you know, dying very, very slowly and very, very painfully, or he'd been separated from his body. Oh, my um, goodness. Uh, so it wasn't until... Um, I think probably about the 1830s or 40s when uh, people were getting a bit a bit shocked by this and um, and, and so they've started bringing in uh, more professional professional people and that's where they use the weights to balance against yeah. the, I mean, the, the, the first one whose name's in the book I can't remember um, uh, yeah he, he was he relied on guesswork but he often got it spectacularly wrong and but he didn't give them enough and it wasn't until Marwood came in uh, who had a principle to apply uh, a scale of weights uh, so that they could make the passage to death rather easier. They're supposed to uh, having the the knot in the right place, uh, just behind the left ear, and um, uh, the intention being, if you've got the weight right and, and all the all the elements pulled together, that it would snap the, the spinal cord, and so death would, would be instantaneous. Otherwise, it could be very painful or very prolonged. And like you say, they could be left alive. Well, half alive. I tried. What if I'm like, it's not scientific. I think the thing that we... That one of the arguments is, obviously, uh, for bringing capital punishment back, uh, is that, you know, it acts as deterrent, whereas it clearly didn't act as that much of a deterrent. Because I suppose there's still, still the feeling there that if you're committing a crime, you still don't think that you're going to get caught, do you? So bringing it... It will act as a deterrent, I suppose, to some people, but to others, it'll just be like, you know, you take your risks, you take your chances, and... You, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think as a deterrent. They all said at the time that, you know, we're not quite sure it is a deterrent. I think if you did these days, I, I, I think for certain crimes, I think it should be. But also, you know, you look at the methods of the police as well, because towns were much smaller. Um, you didn't have um, traffic problems. You didn't have drugs issues. No. You, know, they're, they're, you know, when people committed crime, they, they were um, either due through necessity or, or just thorough balance, you know. Um, there's an awful lot as well that you think of, of, of the women, an awful lot of um, uh, concealment of birth, uh, you know, I mean, the women who are illegitimate children. I mean, there's all sorts of tales where they, you know, the, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking, really. I mean, you know, disrobe children, into, you know, down, down a well or, um, I mean, uh, uh, Tommy Wire was, was a man who, uh, in 1888, he was from Kidderminster, who, who because his four, four-and-a-half-year-old son, little Jimmy, um, was kind of in the way. He, he just literally threw him down a well, 65 feet. And the sort of things you could you could barely visualise, but it was not uncommon. I mean, they're forever fishing babies out of the seven in Worcester. Um, yeah, gory, I know, and not a pleasant subject, but it, it was it was largely every day. And you've got a talk coming up, haven't you, Bob, about um, plaster heads? Tell us about the plaster heads. That's right. There is a talk next Thursday, which is December the fifth at the um, George Marshall Medical Museum, which is on the, um, the Royal Infirmary uh, site at Worcester. And um, it's kind of jokingly called Heads and Tails. Uh, and it involves um, a number of um, plaster casts. They're effectively the death masks of what were always assumed or, or later assumed to be um, the actual heads of some of the executed um, people. They, they weren't all murderers. Um, at Worcester Jail. What, what happened was, when, when a man was executed, and they were all male, they were all men executed at Worcester, no women were executed, they were a bit scared of that, all children. Uh, the youngest was 17. Um, but the... Um, where, where a body had not been claimed um, by the family for burial, um, it, it was trundled under a passageway under Castle Street to the, the infirmary across the road um, for dissection by surgeons and students because uh, because the regulations were you couldn't just cut up any body and you couldn't donate your body to uh, uh, to science but when you're executed you've given up every right to do anything and, and so um, many of these 38 that were executed at Worcester were trundled into the, the infirmary for, for dissection and also because there was a pseudoscience at the time called which was phrenology um, where uh, so-called experts would um, they, they would shave the head and the whiskers and things and feel the bumps on, on the on the the thinking being that whichever parts of the brain shows a bit more prominence, that's where your strengths lie, uh, and it's called phrenology. It's it's um, it, it was condemned for a while, but I was told the other day, in fact, that it's um, it's becoming more into into fashion, and um, so these are the heads of uh, at the infirmary.
infirmary on permanent display. It's what they call the murderer's gallery. And they have... Um, the, the what were assumed to be the actual murderers' death masks, and so several of those would be brought down. And through the research on the um, uh, Forstershire bird, um, I've been able to uh, guess, like an educated guess. I, I can't claim any more than that. Uh, but from the description, the contemporary descriptions can can apply them to these actual heads, and so thereby put a face to a name. Uh, and, and also, um, the, the part of that talk will be uh, by. Um, uh, a phrenology expert and plaster cast expert, so she she has she has a part of that talk, uh, and then I'll be talking about these actual heads, uh, and that's at the uh, George Marshall Medical Museum next Thursday. December the 7th at 7 o'clock. Um, it's in the uh, lecture theatre. Did you say, sorry, December the 5th, you said, didn't you? December the 5th? It's on December the 5th. December the 5th, yeah. December the 5th, next Thursday. December the 5th, it's 180 seats. We, I can't reserve places. Um, I, I would have liked to, but I'm told it's, it's not possible. So, um, But the museum itself, which is a fascinating build, a fascinating uh, facility in its own right, will be open much of the day. So get, if you get there early, take in the museum and, and um, uh, do come to talk. It would be absolutely fascinating, you know, because the some of the heads heads are actually here um, will be available they're, they're, they're quite fragile um, so, so you can't touch them but you, actually, but you can see all the details of these guys I mean whiskers, you know um, eyebrows, eyelashes and, and, and you know and also if you want to look murderers in the face because not everybody got that yeah. opportunity I mean it, it's an ideal chance to do that and to hear some, just some of the tales I'm limited to about an hour yeah. which, which to me is going to be difficult um, but also in the same, in the same guise um, if you've been listening to Barbara and reading the stories you'll be able to put a face to an yeah, yeah, as long as they don't make a plaster cast of mine. Yeah. So you wouldn't need it these days, all that facial recognition of... But, but uh, the, the book will be, saved, will be there for on, yeah. on sale as well. And, uh, but no, that, that'll be fascinating. And I, I can see that one becoming a, a fairly regular feature because we're limited at this time, but um, it, it really is... Um, it, 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 there'll be some interesting stuff coming out of that one, for sure. So that's 7.30, December the 5th, at the George Marshall Medical Museum. That's the scale of the of, of the crime. We're so lucky to live now, aren't we? And I think we could speak to Bob all day. Uh, uh, Bob, I I'm not stay. sure if you want to tune in for a twelve-hour podcast. Can, can we have so, a podcast every week yeah. with you, please? <laughs> But we could, uh, we, what we could do is we could take modern day convictions and put them to Bob and say what would have happened to them. Like, yeah. And by the sounds of it, every single one would be executed. Uh, judge by this. Um, well, so just remind us about. I think if you laid back with the library books, that should be hanging. Uh, you know? Yeah, that, that would be. These I'm days. one of the biggest ones as well. Because I went about all the pubs. I think anybody who changes the name of Worcester Pub is another one that should be taken out and strung up. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Thank, thank goodness you're not in charge, Bob. <laughs> We'd all be in prison. I think I'll make a good Ayatollah. <laughs> We'll leave it to the listeners to decide, shall we? It looks a fantastic. It looks a fantastic book. It's it's huge. It's uh, got a real weight to it. So it's twenty two pounds. I'm not sure I'd shorter words next time. <laughs> twenty two pounds. Make a great Christmas present, wouldn't it, for anyone in Worcestershire? Yeah, quite, quite by chance, it's released two weeks, three weeks before Christmas. Perfect. That's yeah. just what you want to be reading on Christmas Day, isn't it? Stories about people hanging. Well, well, I, I will say. I mean, every Christmas, I, I get um, I get a number of angry fe- well, a, a number of angry emails and notes from uh, you know from miff wives saying thanks for ruining Christmas. I bought him your book. He hasn't spoke to me for four days. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till the turkeys come down before you start turning the pages. I'd say. So just remind us where it's available from. It's available at, um, at Waterstones in Redditch and in Worcester, uh, Worcester Tourist Information Centre. It will be on um, Amazon in due course. It literally was released. Picked them up yesterday, so but but also um, d- direct uh, from me, which is because um, I'm also the publisher, which is uh, so it's Bob at um, and, and, and the words are hyphenated uh, the whole W H O L E picture publishing company dot co dot uk. Well, what we'll do is we'll get all that on the website anyway, so people yeah. can. Uh, yeah. Could, could I say as well? But there's, yeah. there's um, all all directory webs uh, the um, Facebook pages. Um, there's uh, Bob back and forth. That's that's my sort of nom de plume, as it were. Yeah. Um, Bob back and forth. Booster pubs. Yeah. Then and now. Or um, one that I set up literally about three and a half months ago, and now has nearly uh, has about four thousand two hundred members in a very short time. It's called Bob Back and Forth's Worcester Secrets, and 
there. There's all sorts of um, amazing stuff on there, and it's just it's just taken off amazingly. I'm staggered. Um, so uh, so I'm reachable through those. Amazing. Okay. You're, you must be amazing to have at a dinner party, Bob. I bet you could just keep everyone amused for hours and hours. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio today with great us. Pleasure. It's been great Telling to us all about it. And Tris, we, we need to go through this, don't we? And we do. pick up some of these stories and find out more. Yeah, so that'll be in the, in the papers this week. Um, it was, I think it was covered in the Reddish one last week as well. Sure. Sure. Um, we'll have it online as well. So there'll be absolutely no excuse. Perfect. So I'm not sure it's a stocking filler. It's a 519 page. It'd be bigger for that. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you want a Worcestershire bird you can find out all the details on our website and in the paper fantastic thank you Bob thanks for joining us thank you don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with all the great stories this week in Bromsgrove and Droywich you're listening to the Bromsgrove Standard Podcast because you have impeccable taste let's have a look at some stories making the headlines in Bromsgrove now Big shout out to um, a Flora Streeter from Bromsgrove. She was her quick thinking action saved a man's life. She was working at Capital Tower in Lambeth when her colleague Simon Leaf started to feel ill. Flora spotted Simon looking pale. He's 62. And when he returned to his desk with a coffee, she knew something was wrong. He told her he felt weird and had chest pains. Knowing Simon had suffered a heart attack a few years ago, Flora, who was trained in first aid, decided the best solution was to call an ambulance. Within minutes, paramedics arrived and confirmed Simon was, in fact, having a heart attack. Luckily, his condition was stable enough to get him down in a lift. Uh, the lift was only small enough for Flora and one first responder and Simon. And uh, But when, when they reached the ground floor, disaster struck. He went into cardiac arrest. They put him on the ground and Flora commenced CPR. Um, the first responder then used a defibrillator to shock his heart back to its rhythm. Flora was then halfway through the second round of CPR when he came round. He was taken to St Thomas's Hospital where he'd had a stent fitted for a blocked artery. She saved my life along with the amazing London Ambulance Service team and the doctors and nurses at St Thomas's, said Simon. He presented Flora with a cake and a donation to St John Ambulance. Now, Flora began her life-saving skills at Bromsgrove St John Ambulance when she was, um, I think it was 13 or 14, uh, 13 years old, sorry. And um, now she's put them to good effect. Amazing. And my two daughters, I'm, I'm a big advocate of St John Ambulance because my two daughters, one goes to cadets and the other one goes to badgers. Um, on a Friday and uh, yeah it's, it's really well worth doing or even just learning doing a first aid course because you never know when you're going to need those you skills you don't do and I, I've been in a situation once where I had to and I have been on one of the courses yeah. but I just couldn't remember anything so mm. it's good to go on good refreshers, refreshers like every yeah, couple yeah. of years we have got one in a couple of weeks at the pod in Charford which we'll be telling you about in the coming weeks but yeah it's always good um, because you never know and, luckily and I it, was with someone who did know but yeah. I, I, it made me think and I did um, and also if it happens to you, you equally you're going to want someone around yeah, who knows absolutely. this because it's those first few seconds and minutes before the paramedics arrive I mean once you get to hospital and everything obviously they've got all the equipment you could ever need but you've got to get past that point you've got to survive long enough it's to get just to keeping the heart yeah. pumping isn't it and oxygen getting up to your brain it can mm. be the difference between being healthy once again and being yeah. um, you know a vegetable basically yeah, or, or, yeah. or dying or dying um Happier news now. Well, that's happy news, obviously, because uh, Flora, well done to her. She saved um, Simon's life. Um, but Bromsgrove's basement project uh, received a raw visit on Monday, which I was able to attend. I saw this in the, the paper, Duke of yeah. Kent. Um, he spoke to staff, volunteers, and those who've been helped through the services uh, through the services offered by the organisation. Among them were Tristan Etheridge. The guy said to me, he said, it's really weird to meet someone with my name because it's not weird. And I said, yeah, so likewise. And James Cook. Tristan was 19. He got in with the wrong people. His life was going off the rails. He saw a sign for the basement project. He went in to get the help, got his life back on track, started as a pot washer, worked his way up to chef. Now he's company director at a brewery in Hartlebury. Is, is the, the Duke, House Brewery. Is the Duke of Kent Prince... Prince Edward. Well, he's, he's Prince, it's not. There's two Prince Edwards, and the Duke of Kent is the one. He's the one who's always. He's the. I think he's the Queen's first cousin. Oh, okay. He's, he's, a, um, he's the Queen's... one who's always at Wimbledon. Yeah, he's a, he's yeah. The head of the, uh, because LTR. he looks a bit like um, the Queen's husband, Prince Philip. Oh yeah, doesn't yeah, he? Does, yeah, I can see that in yeah. the photos yeah, you put yeah. on the website. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, like is he the Prince? Yeah, um, yeah is, he, is he Prince Philip's uh, brother or something? But no, no he's uh, the... your first cousin. I think he okay. was. 
Because you, you do have to do a bit of research. I'm, I'm rubbish. I know the immediate family. I haven't, got, but, yeah. I haven't got the family tree in my head. Um, James Cook as well. He was 14. He got kicked out of his house during a family dispute. Um, the basement found him a halfway house. That closed. Then they helped him get a cha- uh, flat in Charford, where he still is. They helped with applications and CVs, and he was dyslexic, so he needed a bit of help uh, with the CVs and job applications, and he now works for Bromsgrove District Council, putting up market stalls. So two great stories. The Duke actually asked the pair of them um, about their stories, and it just showed what a difference The Basement Project's fantastic charity has made. Um, It helps also with finding accommodation, helping people stay in accommodation, budgeting, even learning to cook cost-effective, healthy, nutritious meals, which we could all do with... And uh, it's primarily for those aged 18 to 25 who are homeless or facing homelessness. I did get a couple of words with the Duke. I never know. If did he, you? Did I, you speak I, to I him? I never know. I never know because like, some of them come in and go, right, raw pro- protocol. No one talks. We'll, we'll get a press release to you. At. But, you know, I was there and I thought, well, if I don't ask, I don't get. And he said, uh, what they do here should be greatly applauded. It's wonderful. They're providing a very valuable service to help a lot of vulnerable people. So I did get a couple of lines. That's all I wanted, really. Did you get a photo with him? Did you get a selfie? Marcus was there snapping away. I didn't didn't get a selfie, no. (laughs) I think that would have been breaching the uh, the Royal (laughs) Protocol. Um, other news in this week's paper, we've got some lovely picture spreads going in. Light switch-ons in Bromsgrove and Droitwich last weekend. And there was a bonus one in Droitwich, of course, because the illumination of the Mayflower uh, to celebrate the start of the Mayflower 400 year. That was on Thursday. Edward Winslow, the Droitwich man, was one of four people to commission the Mayflower ship. And he was one of the first to arrive in America, along with the other oh, 102. Oh, the proper Mayflower. Yeah, the Mayflower. Took, took the pilgrim to, pilgrims? Yeah, he was one yeah. of the first oh, pilgrims wow. in Droitwich. So Claire Stunt made that same journey. Not on the Mayflower, <laughs> no, on, a, on, on a plane. I did once. Um, oh, did you go? I did. I w- no, I did. A, um, I went when I was little on a cruise mm. from Southampton to over to South um, Florida. Oh, yeah, so go. I did. So you have. I'm, I'm basically a, a pilgrim. You wouldn't have been a rich, yeah. <laughs> Claire the Pilgrim. There we are. Um, so we've got that. Um, light switch on's coming up this weekend. Rubery. Um, on Saturday and Barn Green on Saturday 3.30 till 5.30 um, in Rubery with entertainment taking place in between those times and then a big light switch on at 5.30 uh, we've also got Barn Green um, 4 till 6 with the light switch on at 5 o'clock all the details are going to be on our websites and in the paper so please check those out also got the big hustings as well that me and you will be at Claire looking I forward know, to this I can't wait I'm really excited I mean I know you're really good mates and everything with Sajid yeah. but I've never actually kind of properly well, met fair, him I've, so. I've, I've got good relationships with all the political parties yeah Rory Shannon I like, we've done work with him when he was a councillor and we, we got one of my favourite stories about getting the, the uh, Bromsgrove um, bus station bridge reinstated uh, but that's for mm-hmm. another day um, and also Dr David Nickel been chatting to him and Kevin White as well so yeah I get on with all the candidates so you can't really have good. any favourites Favorites. It's going to be hard for you. So, so um, it's the Conservative, Labour, Lib Dem, and Green. Green. No one else. No one else. No one else. Are there other people though running in Bromsgrove? No, because I think it was, there would have been a Brexit, but uh, um, obviously the Brexit party stood down. We don't have any monster raving loonies. We don't have one. Like no, we do oh. enjoy which. Do we? Yes. We have um, Lord Brockman, I think he's called, and oh, he'll wow. be going up against Nigel Huddleston, Margaret Rowley, and um, who's Helen Russell for Labour. And the Liberal Democrats, uh, Dr. Anne, I think she's called. I'm on mine, like I said. So we will have some information about those Amazing. candidates as well on the websites. Let's quickly do the sports. Um, Bronx Grove Sporting, they beat St. Ives last week, 3-2. They were 2 nil up. Then St. Ives got back into it. And Sporting got a winner after 83 minutes. It was mad in town last week with the lights switch on and football matches and Christmas markets and Worcester Road Street parties. And there was a party at the uh, there was a party at the Victoria Ground as well. Two goals from Taylor, one from Higginson. Three two win for Bromsgrove Sporting. They're up to eighth place. Um, Royston Town, who is um, playing this Saturday. Um, Royston are in 10th they're both on 15 points but Bromsgrove just one point off the playoffs now so they're closing in they were supposed to play Malvern Town last night in the Worcestershire Senior Cup but it was called off because mm. the pitch was too soft it's too oh. rain had a lot of rain haven't we yeah. they had a lot of rain so and Droitwich we need to make sure Droitwich's games are on because they've got a few games in hand still big news for them they beat Team Dudley away 5-2 goals from Matthew Hunt Jack Davies Jack Lemon he got two and Jordan Cox Droitwich Spar have got Top club, All Scott, this weekend, away from home. It couldn't be closer. All Scott have won five and lost one at home. 
and Droitwich is away record. He's <coughs> won six, drawn one, lost one. Droitwich are on 19 points. All, they're in fourth. All Scott are top with 21 points. So if Droitwich win on Saturday, they've still got games in hand and they could go top of the table. But obviously that depends on the second and third place places as well. So there we are. Good luck to the Sporting and also um, the Saltman and all our teams um, going on in this week um, in action this weekend. Um, and now Claire is up with the entertainment news. Thanks, Claire. Loads going on in Bromsgrove, Droitwich, and Ruby this week. Thank you ever so much for listening to this week's uh, Standard Podcast. Also, thanks to Bob Blanford, um, the author of The Magnificent Worcestershire Bird. Um, that's available um, in bookshops and on Amazon soon. It's all about the prisoners and the hangings and everything else in between. So thanks to him for coming in. We'd also like to uh, say, remember you can get daily updates, bromsgrovestandard.co.uk, droitwichstandard.co.uk. If you think there's anything, if you think there's any subjects on this podcast um, that you'd like to talk about, or if you've got any subjects or ideas or guests for us on this podcast, or likewise stories for the paper or our websites, please get in touch. Editor at bromsgrovestandard.co.uk, editor at droitwichstandard.co.uk. We've also got all the social media platforms you could ever need, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Get on, follow us, join in with the conversation and let's build this online communities for Bromsgrove, Droitwich, Ruby in South Birmingham. All that's left to say, have a lovely week. If the rain does get worse, stay dry and we'll reconvene at the same time next week. <laughs>